doctor for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine with your news, sports, business, traffic, and weather. Here's everything you need to know. President Biden Monday warning. Five at five. President Biden Monday warning that Russia may be planning cyber attacks against the U.S., urging private businesses to bolster defenses. More problems for Boeing. China Eastern has grounded all of its Boeing 737-800 aircraft following Monday's fatal crash, which killed all 132 on board. Today is the second day of confirmation hearings for Katanji Brown-Jackson before the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee. Republicans are expected to focus on her handling of criminal matters. Well, shootings are up 17 percent in New York City so far this year, with more personnel being added to New York City's new anti-gun violence unit, working to target precincts hardest hit by gun violence. Making daylight saving time permanent is now before the U.S. House of Representatives after passing the U.S. Senate. The White House, though, hasn't indicated whether President Biden will sign it into law should it reach his desk. Here's your top five at five. Russia is potentially planning malicious cyber activity against the United States. President Biden Monday warned there is evolving intelligence to suggest Russia is exploring options for cyber attacks against the U.S. as its war against Ukraine rages on. On Monday, the president issued a statement immediately urging the private sector to harden cyber defenses. As I said, the magnitude of Russia's cyber capacity is fairly consequential, and it's coming. The federal government is doing its part to get ready. Biden warned that the potential cyber attacks by Russia could be in retaliation for economic sanctions imposed on Russia by the U.S. and its allies. Biden added, it's part of Russia's playbook. President Biden also said the administration has created public-private partnerships and initiatives to enhance cybersecurity across all critical infrastructure. China Eastern has grounded all of its Boeing 737-800 aircraft. The grounding follows Monday's fatal crash in which a Boeing 737-800 nosedived, plummeting 30,000 feet in two minutes, slamming into the ground at 350 miles per hour. All 132 persons on board were killed. Sheila Kiang Lu of the investment firm Jeffries told Squawk Box Asia that she doesn't think the failure was mechanical. Just given the safety record of this aircraft, again, and the fact that it's only had nine fatal accidents in 25 years, um, I highly doubt it's a manufacturer's issue. Um, it's obviously too early to... to, to to think about that, but or to make that conclusion. The tragedy caused Boeing shares to sink by more than 4% on Monday. It's the latest catastrophe to hit Boeing after 737 MAX crashes caused by faulty flight control software. That 737 MAX crashes led to the indictment of Boeing's top pilot, a $225 million settlement and a $2.5 billion payout to the families of victims. Today is the second day of confirmation hearings for U.S. Supreme Court nominee Katanji Brown-Jackson. She told the Senate Judiciary Committee she will decide cases without fear or favor if Jackson is confirmed to the high court. 
If I am confirmed, I commit to you that I will work productively to support and defend the Constitution and this grand experiment of American democracy that has endured over these past 246 years. After statements from the committee's 22 members Monday, questioning of Jackson is expected to get underway today. Republicans, well, Republicans rather, are expected to zero in on Brown's record on criminal matters. Democrats are eager to confirm Jackson before Congress recesses for Easter break. 83-year-old liberal justice Stephen Breyer is retiring, and if confirmed, Brown's appointment will maintain the 6-3 conservative majority on the high court. Well, the NYPD's new anti-gun unit will target escalating gun violence. Over the weekend, the NYPD says that 29 people were shot, one fatally in 24 separate incidents. It's the most people hit by gunfire over a three-day period so far this year. Here's New York City Mayor Eric Adams on the latest round of gun violence. We're going to stop the river of violence that is feeding the sea of violence. And this team is damming one of those rivers with their activity. A total of 470 specially trained officers in the neighborhood safety teams are targeting 28 precincts where gun violence has escalated during the viral pandemic. The precincts include Queens, Staten Island, Canarsie, Brooklyn, Harlem and East Harlem. Whether or not daylight saving time becomes permanent is now in the hands of the U.S. House of Representatives. The U.S. Senate okayed that change. It's named the Sunshine Protection Act. That was back on March 15th. Here's Florida Republican Senator Marco Rubio, who sponsored that bill. I know this is not the most important issue confronting America, but it's one of those issues where there's a lot of agreement. And I think a lot of people wonder why it took so long to get here. For 80 years, people have been adhering to the switch from daylight saving time. It was enacted in 1943 as a wartime measure. The White House has not indicated whether President Biden supports the change. Your <laughs> forecasts from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mostly sunny skies today, the high 60. Partly cloudy tonight, the lows 39. Tomorrow, a 30% chance of rain after 2 p.m. Mostly cloudy, the high near 49. Right now, 52 degrees, mostly cloudy skies here in Manhattan. Continuing with the top five at five, a recent Monmouth University poll finds that 55 percent of those polled feel that U.S. Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown Jackson should win confirmation to the U.S. Supreme Court. During her 12-minute address to the Senate Judiciary Committee Monday, Jackson pledged to decide cases on the facts presented should she be confirmed. I have been a judge for nearly a decade now, and I take that responsibility and my duty to be independent very seriously. I decide cases from a neutral posture. The poll also found that nearly half of those polled felt Jackson is either very qualified or somewhat qualified for the position. Just one-fifth said she should not be confirmed. Ten percent said she is not qualified. Over half of the respondents to the Monmouth poll said they approve of Biden's decision to make his first Supreme Court nominee a black woman. Another exodus from the staff of Vice President Kamala Harris. The White House has revealed that the VP's national security advisor, Nancy Mick Eldowney, is stepping down. She's the 10th staffer to exit Harris's office since June. 
Despite reports of a hostile work environment in the VP's office, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki has said there are no serious issues. I'm not aware of any asks for a positive tweet or a specific tweet. I would point you to the vice president's office, but uh, I work with a number of people in the vice president's office who certainly are looking forward to continuing their jobs. Kale Downey said that she is stepping down to focus on some pressing personal matters. According to an announcement by Harris's office, Mikkel Downey will be replaced by her deputy, Philip Gordon. Gordon currently serves as special assistant to the president and deputy national security advisor to the vice president. A new video shows that Republican Senator Ted Cruz out of Texas getting into a confrontation with employees at a Montana airport, Montana's Bozeman Yellowstone International Airport, after missing his check-in window for his flight. Law enforcement was called in due to a frustrated passenger report. The Reddit user who posted the video claimed Cruz said some form of, do you know who I am? Despite rebooking options being limited due to spring break, Senator Cruz was able to rebook and depart later in the evening. The incident was compared to Cruz's attempt to flee Texas for Cancun, Mexico back in February of last year. That's while millions of his constituents grappled with a power crisis. Well, Ukraine's military warned that an elite group of shadowy Russian mercenaries have entered Ukraine to make yet another assassination attempt against President Vladimir Zelensky and his right-hand man. Zelensky has already survived at least 12 assassination attempts since Russia invaded Ukraine. Some of the assassination attempts have been tied to Wagner. That's a Kremlin-backed private military paramilitary outfit. Wagner is accused of some of the world's worst atrocities run by an oligarch known as Putin's chief. According to Fox News, the assassins are also targeting Zelensky's chief advisor and his prime minister. The Mirror reports that a Ukrainian intelligence body has claimed Kremlin insiders are plotting to remove Russian President Vladimir Putin by poisoning him. According to the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, a group of influential members of the Russian elite have hatched a plan aimed at toppling the president. Former Ukrainian President Viktor Yushchenko, who survived his own poisoning attempt, spoke about the conflict on CNN. So Ukraine's interest demanded that I maintain some contact with the Russian president. I organized it, and I would say that the president, president Putin I used to know, he's not there anymore. According to the intelligence brief, the powerful insiders are dismayed at the impact of the war and subsequent sanctions that have had on the Russian economy. The Ukrainian intelligence service claims that a successor to Putin has already been chosen in the form of FSB director Oleg Sander Bortnikov. A 96-year-old Holocaust survivor was killed Friday by a Russian airstrike in the Ukrainian city of Kharkiv. Boris Romanchensko's death was confirmed by the Buchenwald Concentration Camp Memorial Institute in a series of tweets. The memorial said Romanchenko survived four concentration camps during World War II. Romanchenko was vice president of the Buchenwald-Dora International Committee. Ukrainian officials say the northeastern city of Kharkiv has been subject to heavy missile and rocket attacks since the Russian invasion began, but is not yet completely surrounded. 
The effort to revive the 2015 nuclear deal agreement now hinges on whether to remove the U.S. terrorism designation for Iran's elite Revolutionary Guards. The Guards are the country's powerful security force. Senior U.S. officials say the failure to strike a deal with Iran on the issue could lead to a breakdown in talks. Here's White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. We are in regular touch uh, with our Israeli counterparts, including leaders. Um, we don't have a deal yet. We're consulting with our allies and partners, including Israel, as we negotiate. And the president's going to make a decision on whether to reenter the deal based on what's in the best interest of American security and strategic interests, including the security of our partners in regions like Israel. The U.S. has accused the guards of killing hundreds of Americans. Its elite Quds force has arranged weapons and support for proxy forces for pro-Iranian groups fighting across the region and in Syria. The Israeli government issued public criticism of any attempt to remove the terrorism designation of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. I'm Deborah Valentine with your 77 WABC Early News. 77 WABC Time Check 515. Justin Ellick has sports. Alrighty, I am Justin Ellick here with your early news sports update. Let's begin with the lo- uh, lone local game last night with the 38 and 34 Nets. Welcome in the 45 and 27 Utah Jazz. Kevin Durant was the star in this one, going for a ridiculous 37 points in his 38 minutes on the floor. That'd be really all Brooklyn would need, along with some tight defenses. They rode KD all the way to the bank to cash in on a 114-106 to home win. Up next for the Nets is a trip to Memphis to battle the Grizzlies tomorrow night. Looking ahead to tonight, the Knickerbockers are set to tip it off with the Atlanta Hawks at the Garden. That action is scheduled for a 7.30 p.m. Eastern time start. Ice hockey to look forward to tonight, as well as the Rangers are Newark to face off with the Devils at 7 p.m. And the Islanders will get going a half an hour later at home against the Ottawa Senators. Speaking of the Rangers, they squeezed in three trades yesterday just before the 3 p.m. Eastern time deadline. Forward Andrew Kopp comes over from the Winnipeg Jets in exchange for two conditional second-round picks and a 2023 fifth-round pick. Now former Vancouver Canuck Tyler Mott is in blue now, as well as uh, Vancouver is getting a 2023 fourth-round pick from the Rangers in return. And finally, an agreement amongst rivals as the Rangers sent a 2023 third-round draft pick to Philadelphia in exchange for defenseman Justin Braun. Clearly, the hockey blue shirts are loading up here for a deep playoff push. We'll see how it shakes out for them. Here with your early news sports update, I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mostly sunny today, our high near 60. Overnight, partly cloudy skies, the lows 39. And tomorrow we have a 30% chance of rain after 2 p.m., mostly cloudy, the high 49. Right now, 48 degrees, mostly cloudy skies. Frank Morano has your business report. I'm Frank Morano with your business report. The opening bell rings this morning on Wall Street after closing out Monday on interest rate jitters. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones lost 201 points. The S&P 500 slipped less than two points and the Nasdaq fell 55 points. Fed Chair Jerome Powell says that the Federal Reserve would raise its benchmark short-term interest rate faster than expected if it decides this would be necessary to slow rampaging inflation. Powell's message was more hawkish than his comments were after last week's Fed meeting when officials raised their key rate a quarter point from near zero to a range of 0.25 to 0.5%. His remarks in a speech to the National Association for Business Economics caused a sharp drop in the stock market with its implication that potentially much higher rates could be on the way for mortgages, auto loans, credit cards, and other consumer and business borrowing. The SEC proposed rules Monday that would 
would force publicly traded companies to reveal the ways climate change could threaten their businesses and their own contributions to global warming. The SEC voted 3-1 to one Monday to propose long-awaited standards for how businesses traded on the stock market must reveal to investors the ways climate change affects their financial stability, along with their own roles in the production of greenhouse gases. The regulations are open for public comment for 60 days before the SEC can finalize and enforce them, which could take several weeks or months. CNBC says Disney CEO Bob Chapek and former CEO Bob Iger had a falling out and no longer keep in close contact. The falling out occurred around the time Iger resigned as CEO of the Walt Disney Company. Iger resigned as CEO in 2020, just weeks before all Disney parks shut down due to the pandemic. I'm Frank Morano with your business report on 77 WABC. I'll be back at 1 a.m. on the other side of midnight. Thanks, Frank. And taking a look at futures now, the Dow's up 121 points at 34,557. The S&P 500 up 13. The Nasdaq up 42 and a half. Gold down $5 at $1,924.50 an ounce. Crude oil down $2.49 a barrel at $109.63. The WABC Early News. Well, good morning. I'm Deborah Valentine with your 77 WABC Early News. More trained police officers are being deployed. This is all part of New York City's neighborhood safety teams designed to get guns off the streets in the city's most violent neighborhoods. 170 officers were part of the initial rollout and roughly 300 more are being added as they are being trained. Here's NYPD Commissioner Keechant Sewell. This is how the NYPD is reducing and working to eradicate gun violence across the city. These impressive results represent the next era of responsive, responsible crime fighting. The officers are targeting precincts in Queens, Staten Island, Canarsie, Brooklyn, Harlem, and East Harlem. The first wave of the new anti-gun units hit the streets last Monday, and so far, the NYPD says the units have made 31 arrests in total, 10 of those for gun possession. Ten illegal firearms have been seized. New York City's mayor wants to go after turnstile jumpers. Eric Adams says New York City's district attorney should go back to prosecuting people who evade subway fares. It's a crime. It's a crime. If we start saying it's all right for you to jump to turnstile, we are creating an environment. Who can stop this thing and everything goes? It's a crime. Adams said prosecutors' soft touch on turnstile jumpers has fed into increased subway crime rates in recent years. The mayor said prosecutors' policy of declining to press charges against fair beaters sends the wrong message. Adams, appearing in the Bronx Monday, also said that he welcomed New York Governor Kathy Hochul's proposal to make more crimes eligible for bail. The governor is working on a package of revisions to New York's controversial bail reform laws. Over 100 parents and their children rallied at New York City Hall Sunday to demand Mayor Adams unmask our toddlers just days after New York City's new health commissioner sparked outrage after announcing that children aged five and under should wear face masks indefinitely. Parents had previously protested outside of City Hall two Sundays ago, demanding that those under five be given the same freedom as older children to unmask in schools. Signs included slogans like, My Kid, My Choice, and Follow the Science, while chanting, Unmask Our Toddlers. 
Dr. Dean Hess is a pediatrician and medical director at Gramercy Pediatrics. He said, she uh, said rather that she's seeing more children with speech delays due to masking. I am very pro-vaccine. I am very pro-public health. I do not believe that the masking of two to four-year-olds is doing anything to help this pandemic. Adams has said his policy is necessary for younger kids because they aren't yet eligible for COVID-19 vaccines. Protesters said the mandate is unnecessary because of the low risk of infection for those under five and that the rule is damaging to kids' development. More fires set in Central Park. Authorities say that a string of fires set Monday in Central Park appear to be intentionally set. It's the second in a series of suspicious blazes in the park this month. Patrol officers were able to douse the blazes in the park's wood ramble right across from Bow Bridge using fire extinguishers and buckets. Parkgoers told NBC New York that the fires are unexpected in a place like Central Park. It's really unfortunate and tragic. It's Central Park is the place where people go to find peace in New York City, and for somebody to want to damage it is just um, tragedy. An FTNY spokesman said that they believe the fires were intentionally set. It's not clear if Monday's fires were set by the same person or persons who set fires near West Drive during the first week of March. A trial got underway Monday in federal court out in Central Islip for a Long Island woman known as the Little Devil. Lenise Escobar is accused of luring four young men to their deaths by hacking at a Central Islip Park by more than a dozen members of the MS-13 street gang back in 2017. The victims were hacked to death with machetes. The lone survivor of the attacks, 22-year-old Elmer Ruiz, gave chilling testimony Monday. He described how Escobar allegedly lured himself and his friends to the park to smoke marijuana. Escobar faces murder, racketeering, and conspiracy charges in the April 2017 attacks. Well, a driver doing donuts who was captured on video striking a 23-year-old is still on the run this morning. Meanwhile, the victim struck by the driver, a 23-year-old, remains hospitalized at Bellevue in critical condition. Jacqueline Brito said that her son Christopher will have to undergo additional surgeries. He was struck by the driver who was spinning his vehicle in circles around midnight Saturday at Van Dam and Greenwich Streets. You can take another look at this video on our website, wabcradio.com. A Ukrainian-born Republican city lawmaker who recently blasted Russian President Vladimir Putin as a terrorist met with former President Donald Trump. City Councilwoman Ina Vernikov, one of five GOP members of the body, posted a photo of herself with the former commander-in-chief, saying he expressed his solidarity with Ukrainians amid the country's ongoing war with Russia. Vernikov blasted Putin during the New York State GOP convention, saying he had lost his mind and wants to destroy democracy. What a dark, dark moment in our history. The people of Ukraine are suffering at the hands of a terrorist. And growing up in the region, I know that President Putin has always been a tyrant, but now he has officially lost his mind. Vernikov is 37 years old. She describes herself as a Ukrainian-born American Jew. She also praised Trump's foreign policy positions. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. 
Mostly sunny skies today, a high near 60 overnight. Partly cloudy skies, lows 39. Tomorrow we have a 30% chance of rain after 2 p.m. Mostly cloudy, the high near 49. Right now, 48 degrees, partly cloudy skies here in Manhattan. We're working our way to the Bernie and Sid in the morning program coming up at 6 o'clock. And I understand that Frank Morano is a guest from 6 to 7 this morning. Also, you don't want to miss Bo Deedle. He is a guest on Bernie and Sid at 740. Also, you can take part Monday through Friday at 940 in the Peerless Boilers Beat Bernie Contest. 825 Lydia reports. You don't want to miss that. 32 past each hour. Sid Sports, also sponsored by Peerless Boilers. And 30 past each hour, you'll hear the 77 WABC clip of the day. Today, Rita Cosby talks Ukraine, Putin, and Zelensky. Deborah Valentine with your 77 WABC Early News. Stay tuned for Birdie and Sid coming up at 6. Be back with us tomorrow morning at 5 for the 77 WABC Early News.